the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Hi, I'm Rob Black. Good day. I'm your financial expert guiding you towards retirement. Or something like that. Maybe poverty. Rob Black caused millions of people to save accounts. Think about retirement. Get on the same page. And then everything went to a heck in a handbasket. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Um, one of the things you know we should talk about probably on a regular basis is areas of mistakes that you make. Because I think if you cut down on the mistakes and you just ride the system, like, I don't know if I had the best funds last year, but I don't think I made any big mistakes in my mutual funds and ETFs in my uh, 401k. Uh, does that mean I maximize my money? I beat the market so far this year. Did I do the best, best, best? Well, I look at my choice of funds and at the end of the year, I say, oh, who knew that one was going to do so great? Um, it's tough. It's tough not to play that kind of game in your head, right? Um, so be cautious. So in your 401k, there's different funds. And I think the best thing to do is to start with some sort of equibalance idea. I know you're saying, what's the word equibalance mean? I've never heard that. Work with me on this, okay? Um, you want some small caps, some mid caps, some large cap, some international and some income. And you equibalance by starting with 20% of each of those. Or you can go for a lifetime fund. Or you can go for a lifestyle fund. If you were to say, ooh, look, there's an S&P 500 fund, that could be 20% of your large cap. For me, it's a a large cap weighted fund. Now, again, this isn't science, so this isn't how you go, I'm going to get the pen out and write it in ink. And then you'll see something like uh, a Russell 2000 small cap fund, and you're like, hey, well, there's 20% there. I I, I got 40% of this. 
Um, look, there's an international fund or an emerging markets fund, uh, but it's really volatile. So instead of 20%, I'm just to do 10%. And that gives me an extra 10% when I'm all said and done. Or I like volatility because, you know, when you take a look at these markets, they're not as well developed, the emerging markets. So if they catch up to our quality of living, our standard of living, which they won't in your lifetime, you know, there's no way Haiti's going to become New York City in your lifetime. Um, but it's going to probably get a lot closer to that than New York City gets going to turn into a utopia in your lifetime. And by utopia, I mean like no crime, no divorce, everyone has a job, everyone's happy, singing songs from Alphaville. You can hold your car for an afternoon in utopia. Um, so that's how you start. And again, income, I like REIT, publicly traded REIT funds. That's fine for income. Or you can go with a dividend achievers. Your 401k probably has those choices. Maybe you go 10% REIT fund, 10% dividend achievers. Now, the dividend achievers is going to get you a little bit of copycat with large caps. So suddenly you have almost 30% large cap. But you can also find like a small cap dividend. Small cap companies should be growing and not paying dividends, but some small cap companies, they are what they are. They're not, they're not trying to grow. So this isn't science. You don't write it in pen. You use pencil for the first couple tries. You could do that and send me an email. I'll do my best, but you know, it's only a second opinion until you hire someone. So you know that. So some things to do before you retire, and I'm starting to think about retirement. I'm still too young. But I'm closer to retirement than I am to college. And, you know, I think 40 is the halfway mark, so you know I'm over 40, right? So if horizons on, if retirement is on the horizon and you don't want it to end up like the Deepwater Horizon, they all die. Actually, I don't know. I didn't see the movie, but they didn't all die. It was the BP oil spell, so we know some people left. But I don't even want to see that. Who wants to see an oil well get capped as a movie? I mean, does that sound like, that sounds worse than the, the pitch for Hogan's Heroes. You know, let's do a concentration camp, uh, and it'll be a comedy. Let's do a, an action-adventure film where it's historically documented that it's an oil-capping thing when a disaster where it comes out and, you know, gushes and starts fires, like little Hogan's Heroes themes. Probably the best theme song of all time. For a TV show, in my opinion. Schultz. Schultz, you had the bumbling German guard. I see nothing. And you could pay him off with a strudel. Hey, instead of LeBeau Le going to the gas chamber today, how about a strudel? Mm, yes! I know, too soon to do gas chamber jokes? Probably, always too soon. But Hogan's Heroes was a comedy! Anyhow. Um, so decide how you're going to spend your time in retirement as that horizon gets closer and closer. What do you do the first six months, the first 12 months? Um, you know, does your wife crawl into bed with you and go, are our hearts connected? And you're like, geez, she's got bad breath. You may not want to spend a lot of time with her in retirement because she's thinking romance and you're thinking, can we get those gums cleaned? Another thing you want to do while you approach retirement is determine realistically how much money you're going to spend each month. Um, it doesn't have to be set in stone or chiseled in stone. 
when I went to Europe, I mean, this was a, my my first real thing in college where I learned about a budget. Um, I had four thousand dollars or something like that that had to last a uh, hundred days, so it was like forty dollars a day, right? That included train and food and hotel or hostel. So some nights when I would sleep on a train, I'd be like, "Ooh, sweet! I just saved ten dollars in lodging or fifteen dollars in lodging." So my next day was a seventy-five dollar, a fifty-five dollar day kind of thing. And if I was able to eat free for whatever reason, visiting a friend or ramen noodles or you know, one guy offered to let me eat his octopus off his clothesline, I was able. Like so, I got a budget. You have to have that in your life somehow, some way, some shape, some more. You need to anticipate the cost of your health care. Uh, you won't have your employer to do this for you anymore. It's on you in retirement. And you may not know what it looks like. Go talk to someone who's 65. Maybe it's your uncle. How much do you pay for Medicare? Medigap, private insurance. It's all up to you. You can shop it. Can you buy a hybrid long-term care insurance policy if you're over the age of 50? You might want to. Somewhere before you're 55, you want to buy long-term care if you have that kind of money. And to determine if you've got that kind of money, which is going to cover your budget, cover emergencies, cover any sort of inheritance and whatever. And if you have all that covered, then you can say, I want a long-term care plan or a hybrid one. Um, If you have longevity in your family. Um, You want to boost your cash reserves because retirement means you ain't working. You can't go back to work and make it back up. And you may not have the mental capacity or the physical capacity. So um, if you're going to refinance your mortgage, do it before you retire while you have a source of income. You may find that you're in a tricky position after you retire where you don't have that source of income. I'm Rob Black. Talk about all things financial money, investing, more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Money, investing, and more. Clearly, Monday marked the start of spring. Yay! And in the Bay Area, we're getting socked in with tons and tons of rain. Um, Which is okay. We don't need it, but you always feel like, hey, it's water. Um, So there's something to be said for that, but I don't know. I'm not a water expert. Uh, Home builder Lennar. And food company General Mills reported quarterly results that were ahead of expectations. So there's that going on out there. 
Um, Costco said they're, they're going to deliver right to your door sooner rather than later. The delivery service announced it said that it will make runs to Costco to pick up orders for customers. Another move that traditional retailers know that, you know, they're on call. And to compete side by side with online sellers, the, you know, they have to directly move goods to homes. And I totally agree with that. Grocery delivery is the latest way retailers in a thin margin industry compete for customers. Kroger has teamed up with Uber. Walmart has been conducting tests with Uber and Lyft. Instacart got a huge cash infusion. Um, and then you get names like Amazon Fresh and Express and Fresh Direct. For the record, and I feel a little bit bad about saying this out loud, I still haven't used a grocery delivery service probably since I used Safeway six years ago. And uh, that tells you something, right? Like, I haven't all bought in. Ooh, I bought the Apple EarPods. And, um, you know, a quick review on them. Well, I guess they're called AirPods. Um, they're unbelievable technology. They're great for the gym. It's much better sounding the old wired AirPods or old wired EarPods. Um, <clears throat> is it worth the money? It's tough to say. If you're at the gym four or five times a week, probably yeah. But if your person uses Bluetooth in your car, and it's great for conversations and listen to music at work and things like that. So I like them. But they do kind of get a little, it's kind of a little weird because it's like wearing a big earring. And I'm a dude who's never worn earrings. Whoops, there's a telephone call. Let's see if it's P.W. Herman. Hello? It's Chris in Santa Clara. Hey, Chris, long time no talk. Hey, good morning, Rob. Hey, What's I, up? Just, I just recently invested in retirement, a Roth IRA, and I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on Apple stock. Yeah, um, I own shares of Apple stock. Do you? Uh, yes, I do, and I would like to invest more. Yeah, I... That's a tough one, um, and thanks for the call. I'll talk a little bit about it and try to give you a little bit more perspective. A lot of analysts have recently raised the price target on Apple to, um, <clears throat> well, first and foremost, let's talk a little bit about Apple stock. Um, Apple unveiled today their new red iPhone, and I think that's a winner, and they unveiled a new cheaper iPad. Um, and I think that's a winner. And the stock's up a buck today at 142, all-time high. This is a really expensive company. You're talking about an Uber mega cap of $747 billion. Um, they're gaining market share in all the high-end phone markets except for China. And one of the things you've recently seen them do is uh, you see Tim Cook out in China, like, riding bicycles and looking kind of cool. I see upside this year probably 160 in a best-case scenario. So do I... I own it, yes. Do I like it? Yes. Do I see upside? Yes. Would it be the first thing that I buy? Probably not. Um, I mentioned on the air a couple weeks ago, healthcare stocks look attractive to me or banks look attractive to me. Uh, banks in a higher interest rate environment, healthcare stocks, because they've basically had gone through two years of getting pooped on um, by Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, and Donald Trump. Um, and again, when it comes to healthcare, a lot of people like, I'd rather get cancer than you know have a big medical bill. Um, and we're going to get cancer, and we're going to have huge medical bills. So it's kind of like you probably don't want either, to be quite honest with you. Um, but I got the AirPods, and it took three to four weeks for me to get them, so they're backlogged. Um, I honestly think Apple's got another hit on their hands, like in the iPhone. A lot of people don't know this. Sold out at Christmas. Did I say the iPhone? I meant to say the uh, iWatch. Sold out at Christmas, and the iPads did as well. 
Um, so they could have sold more. Now, do I like the company? Yes. But at 155 160 it's starting to look pretty hardcore. It's just a big company. It's kind of like um, you know Hulk Hogan at his bestest and rippedest and you know his his uh, enraged steroidist. It's tough to get bigger. Um, you can do it, but it's going to be tough. Now, again, long-term, Warren Buffett owns the stock. And that tells you that it's kind of boring. Pays you a dividend yield of 1.63%. That's not great. But if it falls down to like 120, that dividend yield will go a little bit higher. I like Apple as a long-term accumulate. is probably the best way of saying this at this point in time. But it's been the biggest winner on the Dow Jones Industrial Average this year. Um, so you need to be really, really speculative and think twice before jumping into that one. Um, in my opinion. Now, again, I own it. And a lot of people think it could rise about 10% in the next six months. And I would put it right around 155, 160. Um, so there's kind of a don't sell yet. Very high margin service revenues. I'd love for them to use the technologies that in, are in the earpods. God, it's getting tough for me to say that. Um, and come up with a Siri-like device, because it's kind of cool. You could tap it, it instantly pairs. I've never seen it's anything instantly pair. So you take it out of the little charger, and the problem with the charger is it does kind of look like a box of Tic Tacs, or it does kind of look like floss. So you tap it a couple times, and it opens up. Ta-da! Um, oh, you can, talk to, you can talk to Siri is what I'm trying to say. And I think there's a stickiness to it. So Berkshire Hathaway has increased his shares to over 130 million from 10 million a year ago. So he's a top five shareholder, and he's probably not going to sell it a lot. Um, that's tough to say if they go, you know, off into a drainage ditch for sure. Um, their service revenues could approach 50 billion dollars by 2020. Pokemon Go is expected to pull in over three billion dollars in two years for them over over two years. Now, it's starting to trade at levels where Microsoft and Google trade. Um, not quite, but close. So Apple, Microsoft and Google are around 17. Apple's around 15 times. Apple's got a ton of cash, and let's talk about that for a second. Um, one of the catalysts that you potentially could see with it is tax cuts by Trump. Is he or is he not keeping that Republican core together? And can... He say, okay, we need money for this infrastructure bill, so let's repatriate cash from overseas for American companies and use part of that for building roads and bridges. Does he have enough support for it? I would say a month ago, absolutely. Now I would say it's slipping a little bit. Not horrific, but it's slipping a little bit. Anyway, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Don't be shy. We'll talk soon. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. Call 
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. The political news scene seems to be kind of a crazy sideshow. When I stop off at the gym around noon Pacific time, it's always fascinating to watch how many people are just sitting in their jaws agape. And yet it doesn't seem to be spilling into Wall Street yet. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com to give us a little perspective on why is Wall Street rocking and rolling and not slowing down? Why is it... What do you see in Wall Street right now, Pat? Yeah, hi, Rob. Pleasure to be back with you. Hey. Um, Thank you. Well, you know, the, the stock market has kind of just operated in this, this blissful state of uh, thinking that uh, everything's going to come up smelling roses here uh, You know, when, when it's all said and done on the political front. Uh, that's the only takeaway you, you, I think you can draw from the stock market's performance uh, in the face of a lot of um, hemming and hawing over the president's leadership style, as well as a lot of still lingering uncertainty as to how uh, these reform plans are going to take shape, uh, if and when they'll get passed, and and what the costs will ultimately be. So, um, you know, I I would volunteer, though, that in the past few weeks, the stock market has kind of had... Uh, some struggles in terms of extending its its bull run here, and I think that's part and parcel related to the the recognition that uh, that really that the you know uh, the honeymoon phase for this post election rally is ending here uh, because now we're at, we're at to the point where uh, things have to get done and the legislative process is unfolding for better or worse here right now. But uh, <laughs> excuse me, there isn't any strong sense of closure just yet that the stock market's high hopes are going to be realized here in the, uh, in the very near term. And so it's just kind of taking a step back here and I think waiting to see how things develop on Capitol Hill, Hill as it relates to this health care reform plan. It's interesting that you bring that up. Um, a couple of days ago, President Barack Obama, not, oh God, that's like President Donald Trump, um, mentioned he's going to increase the defense budget and General Dynamics sold down. So it feels like that honeymoon is kind of starting to slip a little bit. And it may not be as obvious to others as it is to me or maybe to you. I'm not speaking for you. Um, but it does seem to be slipping a little bit. If it, it, it's holding on, but it does feel like, you know, by nine fingers or eight fingers. Yeah, you know, I think that's right, Rob. I mean, I think that, um, you know, while most sectors have continued to hold up okay, you've, just, you've seen a sort of a slowdown in the pace of acceleration or or even some declines, really. And, and probably one of the uh, uh, focal points in, in that respect a lot of people point to is, is the energy sector. Um, you know, it's, it's vastly underperformed the market this year, down 8% year-to-date. Um, and that's with, uh, you know, OPEC and certain non-OPEC, you know, countries agreeing to these production cut agreements that had uh, succeeded at first in lifting oil prices, but never really got much traction out of that as far as the energy stocks are concerned. And, of course, you know, that fossil fuel is, is key in terms of, of, you know, an economy that presumably is is getting stronger and is, and is poised to accelerate. And granted, there are supply issues overhanging that market, but, but nonetheless, you, you look at the energy sector, you look at the uh, underperformance of the transports, uh, and now we're starting to see 
some underperformance uh, in the financial sector. And, you know, that's something that is a little incongruent, uh, if you will, with this uh, very favorable narrative about uh, economic growth picking up sharply and everyone just, you know, needing to sit back and just wait for these reform plans to pass and everything will be hunky-dory. So I think the market is starting to at least recognize that valuations have gotten stretched on that pro-growth enthusiasm, maybe doing a little profit-taking here and digesting some of those gains, but certainly cognizant, I think, of the potential risk that these things don't pan out in the favorable fashion that the market has been pricing in. Okay. All good stuff. All good stuff. Um, and it feels like we, Wall Street may not be ready for a showdown. So, and, and we're not, I'm not signaling the cautionary flag. I'm just telling people decide on your own. Someone came up to me the other day and they asked me something that it, it dawned on me. I haven't heard this in a while. It was Pat. Someone said, um, so do you think Adobe will be taken over? And, uh, I was like, how do I, how would I know? And I think he used like by Microsoft or by Google. And I was like, do people when they do they ever approach you and you scratch your head and you go, you know, I look at markets and I study markets, but I don't have a crystal ball. Do you get the ridiculous things that you just don't like? I could look at Adobe and say it's great earnings, it's good revenue, they're in the cloud, but it's tough to predict takeovers. And uh, I think people think you and sometimes me have this you know magical skill. Right. Uh, it is. It is very difficult to predict those those types of uh, M&A transactions. And, you know, I think all you can do is sort of um, maybe give some color to some of the uh, the factors that might okay. enhance a company's um, takeover potential, but, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get taken over. So it does get hard to answer those questions. But uh, so it happens from time to time. But you also get some of the questions that we talked about a few weeks ago about uh, everyone wrapped up in, you know, like the Snap IPO, like, should I be out there buying that, you know, right. that, that stock? Um, so get more, get more of that when I let people know that I'm a stock market analyst. It's not, I don't get the questions like so much as uh, where the market is going or what's going on in the political scene and everything. Uh, it's more like what stock can I make money on in the next two weeks, right? So um, sure. that's, that's generally the questions I'll get um, when people find out what I do. Someone called in right before your segment and said, should I buy Apple for my IRA? And I'm like, it's been a big winner. It's a big company. And sure, it's got 10% upside, but it probably has 20% downside. And you could probably find something better. And like you try to talk pepper enthusiasm, but changing topics, anything that you're working on right now that uh, we should be of note as we're heading into the the spring season, as we're heading into Easter, as we're heading into maybe a transition? Yeah, uh, well, two things, and what I kind of do want to add on to that point you just made there, because um, it really you know, boils down to understanding your risk tolerance, too, and, and having a good sense of risk-reward trade-off. Uh, and the market view update I, I posted last week, you know, it was generally my conclusion that, you know, you have a market that's sporting a premium valuation here before interest rates have gone up. And I think right now, you know, it's prudent for investors to kind of have a good understanding of their risk tolerance and certainly the timing of cash needs if they're going to be looking at their equity holdings as a source of funds. So so that's just that's one point. Um, you know, the second point here, uh, what I will be working on here is, is sort of we're seeing this disconnect uh, between what we talked about today, the stock market's pro-growth enthusiasm, 
and what's actually availing itself in the hard economic data. You know, very notable, I think, that, you know, the Atlanta Fed's GDP now model is projecting first quarter real GDP growth of less than 1%, which is remarkable when you take into account that the stock market itself is up 6% this year. And, and that forecast is predicated predominantly on hard data as opposed to that soft data, which, which means like more like the survey results and that you find in confidence reports and things like that. So starting to look closer at that and, and also drawing out some of those disconnects we talked about a little bit earlier here about the underperformance of the financial sector and the transports this year and, and certainly the, the flattening of the yield curve, which is, um, which is starting to become a, a, an interesting data point. So a slowdown seems expected with higher interest rates, and basically I sum that up by saying it's a higher cost of borrowing, and a slowdown would kind of wreak havoc with, you know, growth, and that could wreak havoc with margins, which could wreak havoc with multiple expansion. Is that summing it up about correctly within reason? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, you should see, you're at risk of seeing some multiple compression as interest rates go up because, yeah, interest rising interest rates should, on the margin, uh, slow some of the growth. Um, uh, but, you know, as we discussed before, the stock market can oftentimes do okay, certainly in the early part of a tightening cycle, because it's it's generally driven by improving economic conditions what the stock market appreciates in the sense that it should lead to better earnings growth for companies that have been very good at controlling their costs and now have some ability to, to leverage those cost controls through their top line and, and deliver stronger earnings growth. So we'll have to see how that unfolds, which is why the first quarter earnings reporting period uh, will be very interesting as it relates to you know what's being heard about the second quarter outlook and, and the second half of the year. Anything else that you're working on? We've got about two minutes if you want to throw in any last tippins. Um, you know, just continue to watch watch the data here as we, we we're going to get some um some hard data this week if you will um with the uh that's germane to the housing sector i uh, have the existing home sales report uh tomorrow uh followed by the new home sales report on thursday and then you get durable orders uh data on friday and and all that you know will be germane to the to the first quarter growth outlook um so just keeping a close eye on that uh, we have a lot of Fed speakers uh, later in, uh, throughout this week, and of course we have the um, the vote on the health, on the GOP House GOP's health care reform plan on Thursday, which is uh, certainly going to be um, the market's going to have a vested interest in, in hearing how that unfolds. So, so uh, just watching for a lot of stuff, and we'll take it from there once we know some of the details. Sounds good. Have a good break next week, and thanks for calling in and appreciate it. And people could find a lot of that research that you threw up about what's coming out later this week at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. I'm a big fan of briefing.com, and I have been for 15-plus years. You can check out briefing.com at briefing.com. Um, Patrick O'Hare has an uh, opening market note every day, uh, and he does a kind of a so that's five days a week, and just kind of an end-of-the-week wrap-up, big-picture thought thing as well. But there's so many good writers there. I use him primarily because... I like the big picture and not the trading technical shots that other people at this uh, website do. You can find out more at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. I'm Rob Black.
visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Costco said it's going to be delivering straight to your door. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing if you're Costco, in large part because a lot of things that you buy at Costco and Safeway and Home Depot are those, hey, look at that, that's bubblegum. Or you go in the store and you see something a little extra that you want. So... But millennials and certain customers want it. Uh, two in five Americans say they'll need $1 million to retire. 50% of workers with household incomes of 75000 or more so they'll need at least a million compared with 17% of households with income under 35000 There's a big discrepancy there. And that's going to be an issue that we have to deal with down the road. Um, and it's unfortunate because, you know... When you're dealing with things down the road, you're kind of kicking the can, kicking the can, kicking the can, and hopefully you can find your way back. Find your way back. So invest in water. Nearly three-quarters of Earth's surface is covered by water. Agua. But with 96% of its ocean and much of the fresh water trapped in polar ice caps, less than 1% of water that's drinkable is available. Human use of water is only going to increase with population growth, rising living standards and widespread commercial use of water and everything from hydraulic fracking to manufacturing. Uh, there's a couple stocks, ETFs, that you could take a look at if you want to invest in water. Thank you. PowerShare's Water Resources, ticker symbol PHO, and the Guggenheim S&P Global Water Fund, CGW. Now, why did I just give you two ETFs? I gave you two ETFs. Um, in large part because... I gave you two ETFs in large part because I'd rather you do research inside those funds than do them anywhere else. So uh, start looking at the names that they hold. They're going to be good names. They're going to be big names. They're going to be diversified names. Uh, When a lot of people do research, they're like, I want to come up with a water stock that I just found a company that you could turn human feces into agua. Yeah, but that's kind of like the future because a lot of the places that have uh, feces problems have water problems as well or electricity problems. So there's going to be story stocks that people get excited about. General Motors is cutting the price of the Chevy Bolt by about $5,000, and that's a tip of the hat to Tesla. Um, Now, Tesla's going to be facing a lot more competition, a lot more competition in the coming years. Um and can they compete with mainstream big boy automakers? It's going to be a good question. I recently mentioned, and I'm tooting my own horn, doop, doop. healthcare stocks have rebounded despite the fight over Obamacare. Healthcare stocks are performing better this year than investors may think. There's 61 of the stocks in the S&P 500 health sector. Um, health stocks include things like hospitals and insurers and drug makers and biotechs and medical device makers. They've gained about almost 9% versus the stock market that's gained about 6% this year. Um, last year at this time, that sector was down 7% versus a gain of about three-tenths of a percent for the S&P 500. 
Um, elsewhere out there, California's wet winter points to some sorry-looking salads. So we're paying for it at the salad bar. I know you're saying salad bar. Do you remember, wasn't it like the early 90s where salad bars became kind of a rage? Um, but record rain sparks shortages and price jumps for a lot of produce. And grocers can't really guarantee any steady supply. And it's not just the rains in California. It's the rains in the Midwest as well. Uh, farmers are saying that record rains could damage and delay some crops, crops, crappy crops, crappy crops, uh, leading to shortages and higher prices. So all this rain, blame it on the rain. Um, it's falling, falling. I know. Weren't you shocked when Millie Vanilli lost their Emmy Award? Grammy Award because they weren't really singers and yet in interviews they're like yeah we are the greatest band ever with number one hits and then they're like speaking perfect English when they're singing their songs I was shocked shocking Google Maps has found a way to monetize um, Kong Skull Island one of those movies that's not quite good enough to get enough buzz going to get enough people to the movie theater so Gong! Skull Island! Um, but it's a fictional island. Believe it or not, it's not a real island. It's part of a, a, a marketing pitch that uh, Google Maps is doing. They're making a little bit of money from the studio. And they're putting Kong! Skull Island! on Google Maps. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm thinking about putting Oprah Mountain... Uh, paying for an ad called Oprah Mountain and put it right in Montecito, right next to Santa Barbara, where uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, woman of the South, lives. So, um, which for the record, um, Ellen DeGeneres, whew, she just put her home on the market from Montecito, forty-two million dollars, and it's it honestly looks like you've moved to France, uh, Italy. Either or, they're both the same to me. So. Um, as Wall Street has made gains, so have CEO salaries. Interesting note, right? Um, why were we playing mafia songs? What I missed there? Um, oh, Italy. Oh, that's a cliche, eh? Oh, we've got the best of pizza. Tony Romo's. No, that's not good pizza. That's horrible pizza. So CEO salaries up 7% this year versus last year. If you're a mom, don't teach your kid uh, math and science. Teach them how to be a CEO. So, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.